All right, everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. And guys, this is one that I've been looking forward to and probably a lot of you have been looking forward to. Like one of my favorite podcasts of the year, A, because we get to talk about the national team, the top contenders, the final four VNL teams. And also I'm joined by Rob St. Clair, who is one of the best people in the world to talk about this kind of volleyball stuff. Rob, welcome to the Five One Volleyball Podcast, like once again. Hey Dan, thanks. It's good to be back. We've been doing a lot of shows together lately, but it's been a minute since we have been on the Five One platform. So this is cool. I'm really excited. You're, you've done an awesome job covering all the teams and the, the rankings, which I largely have really agreed with going into VNL. And it's like a week away as we're recording this. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's kind of funny that we we literally talk to each other every week on the European Volleyball Show on the YouTube, uh, CV Volleyball YouTube channel, guys. Check that out if, you, if you're not already a fan. But yeah, not on 5-1 as much. So maybe we can uh, talk more about the international scene a bit more here. And there's some very interesting teams to talk about here today, Rob. So on today's podcast, we're going over the top four teams in VNL. The, the uh, tournament starts I'm going to release this podcast probably a few days before, so as you guys are listening to this, it'll just be a couple days before Friday, May 28th is when the big tournament starts. Two years, Rob, since we've had like international volleyball. seems crazy to me. And you and I were there, Dan, in Chicago in 2019 for the VNL finals. We saw Russia absolutely smoke my beloved American national team 3-1 in the championship match, which is like an absolute just clinic of, of serving blocking. And it was incredible to be there. And it, it feels ridiculous that that was so long ago. And that's like the last real international tournament that we had. Well, we had, we had World Cup, but uh, it, it was a, a different World Cup than normal years because it wasn't an Olympic qualifier. So it's been so long since we've talked about national teams. And like we've, I've had a blast talking about club and everything on the European Volleyball Show. And but I'm excited to talk about national team and to not have to use a European lens. I can I can be completely unbiased or can be completely biased in my like huge American homerism. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you, you, know, you don't have to have as much of a filter here for sure. Yeah. And I mean, we had the Tokyo Olympic Olympic qualifiers in January 2020. That's as true. Well. That's true. That's yeah. But I mean. Canada, it's 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 special to me because Canada qualified. You guys already in America, well ahead of the game. You guys already qualified, so no wonder you forgot about that one. But, uh, <laughs> but speaking, okay, let's get right into it, Rob. Um, actually, no, before we started the rankings, actually, I discussed on my last podcast here, guys. Um, I told you guys about the VLA, which I hadn't discussed a lot in my podcast, but uh, Rob is very involved in. I told you guys to watch this tournament or at least go see the replays because. Rob, I think it's worth it. You're commentating the the kind of production you guys are doing, the, the angles. I think it really all came together in a very great way during the VLA Cup uh, a couple weeks ago. And so exciting for me to watch and I think a lot of other people. And, you know, I feel like there's a bit of uh, hype generated around this tournament right now. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for plugging in on the show. Thanks for tuning in and watching. It was cool to have you in the chat in the finals. I saw you and like Blair Lambert and some <laughs> other pretty big names. It was awesome. I loved it. Uh, the event was absolutely stunning. It was so good. The The only issue that we had was with the, like some of our streams kept dying because the internet in the building was so bad. Um, and when you're in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, that can kind of happen. But uh, 
everything that went on in the building, like the level of volleyball was absolutely spectacularly high. It was unbelievable how good those teams were. And some of the matches that were played were like legitimately the best volleyball ever played on American soil, not by the national team or not by like, Inter, like not international volleyball like as far as domestic competition goes that was really as good as it gets in really american history and i'm not even saying that as like a huge like <laughs> member of the vla organization but the, the volleyball really was that good and so ruckus a team from southern california ends up winning the tournament um over their southern california rivals from the rising tide uh three nothing in the finals they were like clearly the better team but it was like a wacky back and forth like exciting momentum filled match and then the semis were even better i think ruckus versus the chicago Icemen 3-1 in the semis was the one that i would really recommend that people go back and watch that was that was maybe the best match of volleyball i've ever seen it was a uh, two points two point differential in every set uh the, the level of play was just ridiculous so uh yeah we got 11 teams in the building last weekend uh, they played some incredible volleyball i think it was like 25 matches in total which was a ridiculous number <laughs> to try and produce on two courts in three days. Um, but we pulled it off. The, the, the atmosphere in the building was amazing. The players, the names, um, it was just a fantastic weekend. So I appreciate you covering it. If anyone wants to know anything more about the VLA, um, give us a follow on YouTube, on Instagram. Um, the, the website is, is a good resource. So there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, I have a podcast on the VLA platforms called The Deep Corner, which Dan has been on before. Um, which we talk about a lot of VLA stuff there, but we, we have reached outside of that as well. I had Ryan Millar, uh, American Olympian on the show recently. So yeah, uh, the VLA is really gaining a lot of momentum. I appreciate you covering it and I'm really excited about it. It's uh, definitely worth checking out if you are interested in the idea of professional volleyball in North America. And around the VLA, Rob, the new, uh, the new, the yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've got a we're doing a kind of a European volleyball show style live show for the VLA as well. It's don't, called don't Around worry, the VLA. It wasn't originally the European volleyball <laughs> show is not really that original of a concept. It's a YouTube live show. Um, but yeah, no, like like I wouldn't uh, you know, I wouldn't sell you guys the fans listening to it the VLA if it wasn't legitimately like a very high level uh, level of competition because I think and maybe maybe this is more for the European fans. I think what people don't realize as much as there's a lot of high level North American players where it's not maybe worth it for them to play professionally, but they can, they're at that level. There's guys that can play at that really high level. And I think you saw that in the VLA cup uh, over the course of the weekend. I, I was also Rob, very impressed by like, by the level of play. And you know, it's not, let's be honest. It's not, it's not champions league, but no, but, but still, not. like it's 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 extremely like high level, and the thing that I really appreciate is that you guys, you know, obviously having you as a commentator who knows everything and brings the energy is, is extremely valuable, and like the you guys know the uh, preferred um, camera positions, let's say, <laughs> <laughs> baseline cam. I, yep, yeah, yeah. this this is a platform where we can we can <laughs> worship the baseline camera angle all we want. Uh, I, I'm a huge believer in that. Yeah, as are so, you, so so guys, go check out VLA VLA volleyball is, is the YouTube channel. The yeah, name? I think YouTube channel is just Volleyball League of America. Uh, Instagram is at VLA Volleyball. Perfect. Yeah, guys, for sure. If you like, if you like the five one volleyball podcast, I'm I'm can guarantee you, you you will like that stuff as well. And while we're on the topic of American volleyball, Rob, let's get to our volleyball nations league rankings. 
because the top four here, my top tier, I could see any of these four teams winning the tournament, but probably the team I would the least likely out of these four to have a medal, I'm sorry to say it, is probably the USA. I did have them a bit higher, but man, that, uh, as, as maybe we've talked about before, that Aaron Russell injury definitely throws a wrench into the Team USA's plans for the summer. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm just so excited to watch the U.S. national team again after so long. Uh, but there are very serious concerns. You're absolutely right. It, it's coming into this year, like coming into Tokyo, the Olympic year that was postponed after the pandemic last year, um, I was actually incredibly high on the USA's chances at the Olympics because uh, Taylor Sander, who had a very like serious shoulder issue last year, there was no way he could have been able to play if the Olympics had been in 2020. But moving that back a year gave him a chance to recover, have a pretty good like second half of his season in Skrab Elkatov in Poland and then come back and be healthy for the national team season. So that alone, I was, and then just the other pieces that the Americans have and they're, they were a very legitimate um, medal favorite going into Tokyo this year, just with where their roster is and um, the, the pieces that were, they were coming back and the experience um, winning bronze in 2016. So um, there, there was very real reason for optimism, um, but the Aaron Russell injury was a brutal one. Uh, obviously a, a bona fide starter and just all-star in the world of volleyball. That second outside hitter spot had like – he played, a, he had a decent season in Piacenza, but that I think it was a, he had hip surgery um, right at the very tail end of his season, left a little bit early, came back to the U.S. and had hip surgery, which pretty effectively takes him out for the whole summer. So I don't, uh, Russell is not on the roster for VNL and I do not expect him to be healthy for the Olympics. And that's, that's definitely a pretty big blow for us. I will not lie to you, Dan. Yeah. But Rob, the more I've kind of, we've, we've had a couple weeks to sit on this, to think about yeah. it. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, this USA's team is still extremely strong. They still, I mean, really, they're going down from, we have different thoughts from our conversations on the past between who's going to be the replacement. But for me, going down from Aaron Russell to Thomas Jaski is not that bad. It's really not that bad. You give up some blocking, you give up a little bit of serving, you give up a little bit of attacking, but really Thomas Jaski, if we go back two or three years ago, he was like, he was right, you know, in the conversation with Sander and Russell, he's a top tier outside. He has that big injury, but now I feel like maybe people who haven't followed club as much this year don't realize Thomas Jaski really was, uh, you know, a pretty high level outside hitter in Italy. He was, he was playing for Verona. They took a chance on him. He, he took an entire year <laughs> recovering but now like he, he, he you know he was much better than tj defalco he was you know better than uh eric Lepi. he was better than Stephen mar he was better than a lot of these other outside hitters north american outside hitters probably only second to aaron russell in italy of those north american guys i would say so i think i think for me he if he's the replacement he can play at that level still the, the rest of the team is so good they're so good. Sander, Anderson, Holt, Smith, Christensen, Shoji, all those guys are having like some of the best club seasons of their entire life. So the right. more that's, I that's the more really I sat point. on this, the more I thought like USA for me is still is still in good shape. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm not like the our Canadian friends in the volleyball source Discord have been just roasting me about the US the US's chances this summer, but I, I am um a, still a little more on the optimistic side because of the, some of the same reasons you just brought up, Dan. Like when, for example, the, the VNL finals in 2019 that you and I were both at, um, Aaron Russell started the match but went to the bench in like the late first set or, or like before the second set, and Garrett Magatutia came on and played for him. Like if in, in the past, like quad or so for the u.s if there has been a player in that starting lineup that we know that those starting seven that we know to go to the bench it's almost always aaron russell to go to the bench first either him or one of the middles so the 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 rest of the depth in the u.s roster i think is ready um the their choices for tokyo if russell is indeed not able to play will be very interesting. You've obviously got Taylor Sander. That's a lock. But then you have TJ DeFalco, Thomas Jeschke, Garrett Magatutia, and I guess Brendan Sanders on the VNL roster. I don't expect him to make the Olympics. Um, but like those three guys, like DeFalco, Jeschke, Magatutia, are capable for sure. I, none of them have the high ball scoring ability that Aaron Russell has. But um, other than that, it's it's really pretty close. They're not going to be relied upon for a huge amount of the offense in Russell's absence. Uh, that's going to be Sander and Anderson and the middles. Um, but all three of those guys could definitely hit the bick, and that is a huge part of the USA's offensive strategy. They've got to have that available as an in-system option in all six rotations. And um, DeFalco is sick out of the bick. So is Jeschke and Magatutia very capable there too. So... The VNL for the U.S. is a perfect trial period to get those guys who are not the consistent starters that we expect high-level touches and like get some connections built after a two-year absence. That's kind of, the, I assume, will be the strategy for all of the teams in this tournament, except maybe Italy, who's choosing not to bring any of the starters. Um, but the, the guys, the, the most important part for the USA, in my opinion, maybe even more so than any other team, is the development and the playing time of the guys who are not those Olympic starters. So um, Matt Anderson is definitely going to get a lot of time because he hasn't played very much volleyball in the last year, year and a half. He really needs to get himself back up to high level speed. But Christensen, don't have to worry about him. David Smith just won Champions League. You don't have to worry about him. Um, Max Holt, uh, had a little bit of an injured season for Monza, but let's be serious. You don't have to worry about him. Um, Sander, he, Taylor Sander probably won't play very much because he's coming off that ankle at the end of his season in Scra. Uh, Eric Shoji, you definitely don't have to worry about him. So it's the, it's the other guys, in my opinion, the the Kavika Shoji, Josh Tuininga, um, Ben Patch, Jeff Jendrick, like uh, Taylor Averill, like those sorts of characters that are fighting for those last couple Olympic spots are going to be the most important players for the USA, this VNL, in my opinion. And I'm really excited to watch a lot of those guys because like you said, Dan, some, some of them had really good years overseas. Taylor Averill was maybe the best player in France as a middle blocker this year, which is just ridiculous. Um, so he, he has a very real shot at that, at that third middle blocker spot for, for Tokyo for the U.S. Uh, ben Patch had a pretty good year in Berlin. Uh, they won their league championship. They went to the Champions League quarterfinals. So there, there's a lot of names there, a lot of talent there that you're going to see play a lot this VNL. And the just the way that John Sparrow wants to construct this Olympic roster, I know that he is going to be very deliberate about the way that he uses this VNL to do all that. So um, are they going to meddle in the VNL? Are they going to necessarily win VNL? Um, with only four teams making the finals this year, I think it's going to be more difficult. 
the thing about 2019 was that the U.S. was hosting the finals. So they already got like a, a defaulted berth into the final six. So they that throughout that VNL regular season, they just did whatever they wanted with their rosters. They did all kinds of wacky stuff. They didn't care like if they won those matches necessarily. Uh, this time it's different. Um, they don't have an automatic qualification in the finals, and there's only four in the finals, not six. So um, if if their goal is to win VNL, which honestly I'm not sure necessarily that it is. Um, they will have to play starters a lot and they're really going to have to be results oriented in order to make the finals. And I don't necessarily see that being their strategy. I think it's more um, a building and trial period and moving things around in preparation for Tokyo. So I think four in the rankings for the U.S., honestly, a pretty accurate spot. Um, but they clearly have the talent and the ability to go win this tournament. Um, we'll just see kind of what the what the moves are and what the strategy is. Yeah, like you said, no, I fully agree with everything you said. But yeah, I mean, the USA, it's almost like they, they, they either their top like 10 or 12 guys are so good in the drop of, for me at least, is so steep after that, that they almost can't really even afford to play guys who aren't in consideration for the Olympic roster. Uh, but one thing I want I want to like make clear to everyone is that I feel like a lot of like I've been critical of the USA's depth a little bit in the past, but I feel like a lot of the guys you talked about Taylor Averill, Josh Chuaniga, um, Jeffrey Jendrick, Ben Patch they've all had really nice years the last uh, since the last international tournaments. Like if you were to, to ask me now compared to 2019, how I what I think about Ben Patch, way better now. Like had an unreal season, led Berlin to the championship. Like you said, Taylor Averill was like one of the best players on Con. Unfortunately, injured for the finals, but you know had had like an unreal season playing playing middle there. That he was all, he was averaging like what three and a half points per set. Like it was crazy. It Jeffrey, was a crazy output uh, put for a middle. Yeah. Jeffrey Jandrick is great. Um, you know Thomas Shaysky had a great season. I'm never gonna agree with you on Garrett Magatitishi, unfortunately. But <laughs> I think so. I here's think... the thing, we, and we, we've talked about this before. I, and I'm I I think I agree with you, Dan, more than you think I do. It's not that I it's not that I agree with how Garrett Magatitia will be used necessarily. He's it, but I, just based on what Spira's pattern has been and how Garrett Magatitia has been used, I think that he is in very serious consideration for the second starting outside spot. Now, now with Aaron Russell gone, I, I agree he is. I agree he doesn't is, mean that it doesn't mean that's that. necessarily the right thing, but I just. The way that Spiraz used him, he came off the bench for Russell in the Vienna Finals in 2019. Um, he, he's been like in and out of the gym for so many years, and he's not a young guy. Like I think he's 31, maybe 32. I don't remember. Um, his his younger brother Miles played VLA last weekend. By the way, that was cool. Uh, but like j just the fact that Garrett Magutti has stuck around in the gym for so for so long and has gotten legitimate playing time in VNL and other competitions, like. I, I guarantee you, Spira is very seriously considering him as a, as a, the second starting outside, and it doesn't mean that I agree with that necessarily. I think it should be Thomas Jeschke. I think you would probably agree with that. Um, even TJ DeFalco, I think, adds a lot if you catch him on a good day. Uh, he's he's a really nice play style fit if you catch him on a good day for the U.S. starting roster. But I'm not kidding, Dan. You can expect to see a lot of Garrett Magatutia this summer, and he's not not the most athletic guy. He doesn't jump as high. He doesn't hit the ball as hard, but he controls the ball really well. And he is what Spira wants in that second outside hitter spot in the absence of Aaron Russell. So I think you might see a lot of him.
Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, at the end of the day, that that's yeah, that second outside hitter spot is the only question mark on this roster. Everything else for me is is pretty set in stone. And this is the lineup that they've been preparing since, uh, you know, since the twenty twelve team graduated, right? Like this is these these are the guys they targeted, like the Christian Like these guys have been through the pipeline targeting 2020 and in 2024 for for a long time now so that's exactly right expectations are high and of course all these four teams guys are are targeting the olympics at the end of the day so we have to preface everything we say with that that being said usa going to be very fun to watch and these usa is going to be very fun very good team to watch and i think they almost can't they can't do that badly they unless they throw it like on sing and um to Aniga, like the full bench I, th- I think they'll be fine but last question here for usa rob uh no mike Ma'a on the roster what, what, what that so that's been a confusing one that um i and several other american fans have been trying to find an answer for uh so we know about the out of system crew with the worsleys and mike Ma'a. they've been they've been just exploding in like American volleyball media the last year or so. They are doing just a, a bunch of their own stuff this summer, uh, doing a lot of camps, playing a lot of tournaments, like just doing their own thing. I I don't know if like if Ma didn't get an invite to the national team gym, but definitely COVID had something to do with that because um, the, the normally the national team gym would have way more bodies in there than it does this year. Uh, so there, there are several other like, guys that I would have expected to make this VNL roster that aren't even in the gym, a Dave Wysorek VLA guy being one of them. He is uh, coming off two different pretty significant injuries, but uh, like him, Mike Ma'a, and a few others that I would have expected to at least get the call to go train with the team for the summer just aren't there. So I don't really understand that situation all that well. I don't really have any insider information, but yeah, no, Mike Ma'a is interesting. Um, only three setters in Christensen, of course, Kavika Shoji and Josh Twiniga. Um, I expected Ma'a to be there because he played for Spira at UCLA. Um, Spira has used him in a lot of roles. Setter, he's played outside hitter in VNL two years ago. Um, and he's a better athlete than Tuaniga for sure. And the the Norsikas that were in Canada in like 2019, Dan, that, that the USA sent the B team to, uh, Micah Ma'a was the starting setter on that team. Uh, he started ahead of Tuaniga and ahead of Joe Worsley. So um, I was a little surprised to not see him on the roster this year, but I, I don't know. I think if it weren't COVID and there were just other things going on, then he would probably be in there. I'm not sure. We'll see what the future has for yeah. Ma'a on the national team. And to be fair, Tuaniga in my opinion, has been the best pro out of the Ma, Tuniga, Worsley trio so far. And Strongly also... Strongly agree. And, yeah, he, man, he's... I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but he seems like like really, really good. I'm a huge fan of Tuniga. Um, and also, I feel like we will hear what happened on the Out of System podcast if, if, <laughs> if past point. experiences are anything to go by. All right, USA number four top tier could win but these next three teams i have above and number three rob i have uh the polish team in my in my third rank spot and for me uh, i don't know they might be a little low they definitely you know if you're taking the top 25 guys they have the best roster in volleyball for sure no by doubt about far it. by yeah, far by, by big mark if if it's crazy to think about like the the top level guys playing in 
Like Carol Butrin was like arguably the MVP of in Poland, and he's not even sniffing this roster at opposite. That's <laughs> crazy. But and, they, and actually, Poland brought a better roster than than I kind of expected. We have Kubiak, we have Leon, we have you know Trisha, we have uh, all everybody. the big guys. We have everybody. Yeah. And, and Rob, our our guy Camille Semeniuk. Thank goodness. Oh, I was so roster. happy about this. I, I'm so proud of him, even though. Like, <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I am. It's, it's like we, we watched our boy grow up in front of our eyes this year yeah. for Zoxum. So, yeah, that, that was the big qu- question that I was wondering about how Heinen was going to construct this roster for VNL. Um, and we've talked about this on the European Volleyball Show plenty. The last person that we can possibly predict what's going on inside his head is Vital Heinen in the world of volleyball. He's so unpredictable, um, kind of like the mad scientist vibe, but he does indeed bring at least named to the roster, the entire, like the team, the A team. And what we saw in 2019 from Poland was not even close to that for VNL, not even a little bit close to that. Um, so that was good to see. The other question that we had a lot was like these guys, these Zaksa guys that ended up winning the Champions League, your Semenyuk, your Kaczmarek, your Shlivka, um Kokonovsky we knew would be on this roster, but the 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 up-and-comers from Zaxa, we were wondering if they were going to be on this, this VNL roster and maybe get a chance to play in the Olympics for Poland. And so far, uh, the answer is yes. Uh, Semenyuk on this roster, Kaczmarek on this roster, um, and Shlivka's played a lot with the national team already. But those are the two big question marks that I was really wondering how much time they're going to get on the national team in VNL. And so far, the fact that they are there is positive for me. Um, I like that a lot. I think Semenyuk has cemented himself this year as really an elite player at that outside hitter position. I don't think you lose anything in any area if you put him in in any given match. He just doesn't really have any weaknesses. He's just awesome. So the um, in the Olympics, like in, in key matches that Poland's going to try to win, you obviously are going to start Wilfredo Leon. He's the best player in the world. But the second outside hitter spot, while we can probably safely assume that it will be Kubiak, um, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I think that's what Heinen will do to start off, like key matches, like if they make VNL finals. Um, but I'm not necessarily sure if that's correct or if that's optimal for Poland. They've got a lot of options there, so. Picking four, probably four outside hitters and three other outside hitters outside of Wilfredo Leon for the Tokyo roster is going to be an impossible task. Yeah, no, and I, Rob, I feel like you and I are some of the only two people who are saying this, that, yeah, obviously Leon will lock, but Kubiak, I, don't, I agree with you. I don't know if Kubiak is necessary. He, the name recognition, he's a great leader. He, you know, he's definitely a good glue guy. The team respects him so much. But there's guys, you know, Semenik, Schlifka, they, they, Semenik especially, I feel like for me, he does a lot of what Kubiak does right now, except a little better. You know, he doesn't totally have the agree. experience. He doesn't have all like the little crafty, nifty moves. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to be a leader on the team like Kubiak is. But in terms of your, you're talking strictly raw gameplay on the court, who's, the more efficient passer, who's the more efficient hitter, who's serving a little harder. I would take Semenyuk and probably Schlifka for me above Kubiak, which little controversial, but I Bob, agree with that take, Dan. I am I am right there with you. I will I will back you on that uh, to whatever ends of the earth we want to deliver that take. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> um, <enough>. Yeah, <laughs> just like 
Think about where those guys are at in their professional careers right now. Like Kubiak has been in Japan, right? Or Korea or China, whichever. Um, Japan, Japan, Japan. Japan. Not in an exceptionally good league. Like he, he's, he has a massive role, obviously. He's one of the, the superstars in that league. But you can't tell me that Semenyuk and Shlifka having just one Champions League is not a higher level than what Kubiak has been well, doing lately. Well, Rob, I'll, I'll give you a little stat that I was, I'm doing a VNL video. I was doing Japan preview. And Nishida, Yuji Nishida, way more efficient on higher points per set than Mihail Kubiak in, in Japan. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. The, like, again, I think we could expect Kubiak to be the guy just as the incumbent second outside hitter in Heinen's head. Uh, but is is that necessarily the right call? Honestly, maybe not. So just like we've, we've made fun of Poland about this. They're not really made fun of them. Just like pointed out their their potential outside hitter depth, like if if you had like a team of 10 outside hitters it would be like Poland would just run circles around everyone in the world it wouldn't even be close they have so many ridiculously good left sides i have no idea how they're going to choose three other ones for for Tokyo i really don't know yeah but i uh, i can almost guarantee you rob that Poland will be switching it around a lot trying a lot of different lineups we'll see almost every like combination of these players they also have a lot of interesting decisions to make in the middle with Novikovsky, uh, Biniak, Kowanowski, and then even someone like Norbert Huber, who had a, who had a great season in the middle as well. And yeah, then and Carl uh, Kloch, I, I think you can expect them yeah. to take three. And one of the one of these four guys is not going to go to the Olympics. Carl Kloch, Mateusz Biniak, Jakub Kowanowski, and Peter Novikovsky. One of those guys is not going to go to the Olympics, and that's just ridiculous to think yeah. about. And think about how many other teams going to the Olympics would like take one of those would kill to have one of those guys <laughs> oh man it, that's that's uh that's the interesting thing for Poland at a lot of positions for me there's for me though rob the opposite maybe is a kind of just about to, just about to bring that up that, that's a very interesting one to talk about i feel like we're on the same page i would probably start Kaczmarek over bartosz kurek it's the exact same logic as the outside hitter conversation we just had. Like, Kurek's been in Japan, uh, and Kaczmarek just served an ace to win the Champions League. Like, the what what have you done for me lately is a very fair <laughs> question in, in this age of volleyball, especially coming off of a summer where there was no national team play. Like, there's so much to be said for a guy that's been in the gym in a phenomenal system and has achieved, like about the greatest accomplishment you can in club volleyball winning champions league this year versus correct in Japan. It's just a different level. It's, it's different what they've been doing lately. And Kachmarek has, again, he has no weaknesses other than Kurek has the potential to completely take over a match. And we've seen that we saw it in each of in well, not each of the last two world championships, but the last world championship, um, correct just decided okay I'm, I've just decided that I'm going to be the best player in the world these two weeks and he was um, but we have I don't I personally have no idea what to expect out of correct individually in this tournament I think he's going to get a lot of looks I think he's a lock to make the Olympic roster but should he be the starting opposite honestly maybe not because Kochmark has been so good he has really no weaknesses he serves he blocks he's a really good defender in right back which you and I have both talked about a lot um he has range. He has shots. He is 
one of the very few opposites in the world that I like legitimately see use off speed offensively and to great effect like that. You just don't see that all that often. So um, I think he's a no brainer to make the Olympic roster. I think he's way better than Masiyam Bujai. I think, I hope David Kanarski is not even on this roster. He's not, okay. don't worry. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank, Thank goodness. goodness. Oh my God. Thank goodness. I'm so sick of seeing that guy take a court space for Poland. Um, but yeah, like, I don't think you can possibly argue that Muzai deserves to go to Tokyo over Kachmarek. I don't think you can possibly argue that. No, no, definitely not after the seasons they had. And For I think sure. you, I think, like we said earlier, like yes, if you, if if I was going to say, okay, who's going to be better at taking forty sets in a match and being the dominant offensive weapon, Kurek for sure would yep. be that guy. But, but they don't need that. They, they have, have Wolfredo Leon. <laughs> yes, damn, <Sorry>. yes. <laughs> so. You know, I want an opposite who maybe Kirek's a little bit better of a blocker, but the serving, the back row defense, everything else is going to be better with Kaczmarek. And you don't need him to be that that sensational scorer because you have Leon. And he's... Any out-of-system ball that you're not setting to Leon is uh, is a compl- is wasted. It's, it's an idiotic, <laughs> yeah, it's, idiotic it's an objectively wrong choice. <laughs> exactly. So, for sure... Okay, we're on the same page. Yeah, Kaczmarek, we'll see. I, as much as I have disagreed with Hainan over 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 the years, I do trust him. He's a good coach. He does have the trust of the team. But for me, something like Leon, um, Semenyuk, Kaczmarek, um, Kohanovsky, Biniak. Uh, I want Novikovsky. He's my Zatorsky, favorite. He's my favorite middle on Poland. And, uh, and, and anyone. Something that like would that be would be such a life. fun team to watch. Oh, that team would be so much fun to watch. But I think we have to talk about their just general weakness as an entire national team system, and that's the setter position. Yeah. They if if they had yeah, like yeah, if yeah. if Benjamin Toniudi were Polish, for example, uh, they would be like slam dunk Olympic favorites, and I don't think anybody could possibly beat them. But they just don't have a guy like that. You can assume that Womach and Drizga will be the setters on the Olympic roster. But neither of those two guys just really does anything for me. I think they're about as unspectacular as it gets. They they just throw the ball to whoever they think is correct I, at the time, and they do nothing special. Is that I feel like Fabian Trisha and maybe Gregor's Lomash as well gets a little bit overrated by the volleyball community based on the players they have around them. There's a lot for me. There's a long, long list of setters that could do that could win those world championships, that could win all those tournaments with the players that Poland has. It's the same thing for me. It's similar to Nikola Jovovich on Serbia. You could you could throw any player on those teams, and and they and they as long as they can set high balls, they they win that tournament. And unlike Jovovich, we haven't seen Drija play with a bad team. We haven't seen Blomash play with really a bad team. So we haven't seen this, them exposed as much. But my feeling is if you threw Fabian Drija onto like a, a French team or a German team, they would, they would not uh, look impressive at all. That's very well said. Uh, they've, they've never had, they've never been exposed because their weapons around them have always been so good. I think that's a great way to say it. Um, and, Fortunately for those two guys, they're not going to be exposed for that because their weapons around them are so good. But can those setters take Poland to where they want to go is is a huge question. I think they, that the setter position is the one thing holding them back potentially from, from accomplishing their goals. And that and just like choosing the other pieces to, to start or to play in key moments, um, the setter like really 
Womach versus Trishka, they're basically the same player. They're interchangeable, in my opinion. I don't really think one adds anything in particular over the other, but uh, they have so many great options at so many at all the other positions, um, and they just don't particularly have a superstar setter. It's just the way it is. So we'll see how Poland is able to compensate for that in VNL and Tokyo. Yeah, and I don't think they're bad. I don't think it's gonna like it's 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 a it's it's as bad as Jovovich. I think both of them aren't are not gonna like limit them as much as they're not gonna assist. Which when you get to this level, a lot of the setters are, are enhancing a lot. And also, Marching Janas actually had a, has had a really nice couple uh, years of run here in Gdansk. Yeah, I actually like Janusz. I think he's pretty good. Um, he's improved yeah. a lot. He's improved a right. lot. So his Gdansk team is good. I, I think he'll he'll see a good bit of time in VNL, but I don't expect him to go to Tokyo. Yeah. So Poland number three, and now uh, Rob, my number two team here, Brazil, a team in volleyball you can never count out. And honestly, like seeing their VNL roster, 17 players, I was like, damn, there's like 10 players on here that I like, I like that would have loved to see in VNL because they have it's it, the, the amount of players that are so good in Brazil is absolutely absurd um, if, you, if you really think about it. But uh, oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, especially adding Yoandi Leal right now. I mean, they're, they're that gonna... is the that might be the biggest pickup in all of volleyball. It might be even more important than Wilfredo Leon to Poland. Like, not kidding. That that just because of how Brazil, of course, is is starting to be on the tail end of of one of the best runs in volleyball history. This core that Brazil has with Bruno and Wallace and some of the and Lucas and some of the others is at the tail end of their careers. If if that particular team wants another chance at, at Olympic gold, it has to be this year. There's no way that they will be at that level in 2024. So the out, the second outside hitter spot uh, across from Lucarelli was a big question mark for them. You had like Mauricio Borges, you had Douglas Souza, you had a couple other characters. Um, but when Yoande Leal got Brazilian citizenship, that was and it was eligible to play for the Brazilian national team. That was absolutely enormous. Um, just such a big pickup. He had a, a very good VNL in 2019, in my opinion. I thought he looked natural and was a great fit in the Brazilian system. Um, that was, it was just so big. Brazil, they set her, no question. Uh, Bruno, one of the very best in the world. Two, two phenomenally good outsides. Lucarelli was great for Trentino the back half of this year. Um, middles, not a problem. Um, they have like five of them that could easily start. They're all pretty much interchangeable, but you've got to put Lucas in there because of the ridiculous things that he's able to do with Bruno. Uh, opposite, Wallace or Alan Souza is a rising star. Um, Libero, though, since the retirement of Sergio is kind of a weak spot for Brazil. Uh, we've seen them do the two Libero thing with Maike and Thales Haas. Like they'll have one in service, even one in defense. That doesn't bother me, but it might be a waste of an Olympic roster spot. If they bring two liberos to the Olympics, um, I don't expect any other team to really do that. I think with only 12 guys, you really just have to bring one libero and just commit to him. So um, we'll see how they choose to do that. But Brazil, you can never count them out, Dan. It's, it's impossible to pick against them in any tournament or in any situation. Well, Rob, I'm telling you right now, it's Mike. It is going to be it's a libero of the future. Like okay. he, he, he is... is unreal to watch like he for me he's a top 10 libero in the world he's he's established himself head and shoulders above the other brazilian liberos like he's going to be the guy 
going forward. That's good to hear because I'm not super high on tally sauce. No, me neither. And and Mike more definitely more of a uh, more of a block defense libero than a reception libero, but he's still he's still very strong in that aspect as well. But yeah, like you said, uh, I mean Brazil's roster that they're bringing is a little interesting. I don't think uh, Lucas is on the roster for middle blocker, but you're right that they do have kind of this. And there's a lot of teams, this kind of older generation. And, and how do they mix these younger guys in? And Brazil has a lot of questions specifically with that, like Bruno versus Cachopa, who, as we saw in 2019, Vino, you know, Cachopa is like, a, he's like the next, uh, oh, who's the, Il Mago, the, the backup Ross. You know the setter I'm talking about. The backup William. for William who? Arjona. William oh, Arjona. William Arjona. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, very, very similar players. Yeah. For sure. We have Alan Souza, you know, he's clearly next in line for, for Wallace. And we even have his younger brother who didn't make this roster, but still a, a great player as well. We have the 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 Douglas Souza. We have uh, Mauricio Borges, by the way, had, had a really nice bounce back season in Brazil, winning uh, MVP in the Brazilian uh, the Brazilian league. So he's, he's always a player that I've liked. He's kind of like... For me, he's like kind of like a Luka Doncic of like volleyball. He's like very slow. He doesn't look like a good athlete, but he's really. I like sne- that comparison. He's really sneakily like a very like like crafty, good body control, good coordination. I, I like watching him play. I think I think he'll be starting next to uh, maybe even over Lucarelli next to uh, Leal. Wow, or, that's or maybe Lucarelli board. Those three, those three are are, are my are my are my picks. But, uh, yeah, that, I think those are clearly the best three. I, I don't. I would be shocked if Borges was a, a go-to starter, but maybe. Yeah. But you're he right. Looks really noticing, good this season. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. you're right. I'm noticing now no Lucas Sotkamp, uh, no Eder Carbonera, who um, played in Berlin this year. So a couple of the usual suspects at middle, not at least on the VNL roster. Uh, but they've got Isaac Santos. They've got Mauricio D'Souza. They've got Flavio. Flavio played had a great season for Zafirci in Poland this year. Yeah, I'm glad he he uh, made the jump overseas. That that was cool to see. So, yeah, no weaknesses there in middle, and I'm sure Lucas and and Eder will be in the mix for Tokyo. Yeah, man, Brazil. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge Alan Souza fan. What are your takes on who their starting opposite should be right now, Wallace or Allen? I would still take Wallace. For I think I would comfortably take Wallace, but uh, Allen certainly has a bit more energy in his legs, a bit more stamina. So I can see them bringing him at the end of games. But for me, Wallace, Wallace for me seems like one of those players that opposing blockers are just like, man, I like. I, what I, do I, I even do about this guy? He's so, <laughs> he's so unorthodox in the way he attacks. His broad jump is so different from how other players approach. I, I think he's, he has the weirdest arm I've ever seen, and, and I mean that yeah, in the yeah, best yeah. possible way. That is a, that is a high compliment. But he has a weird arm and a weird jump. So the two, right, both right. of them, like. The, uh, it's it's really strange even to watch, um, and then they also brought Philippe Rock, who's a kind of the, another rising player uh, opposite on the Brazilian national team, um, who's kind of with Maik Reyes and also a third player, uh, Enrique Honorato, an outside hitter who didn't make the roster, which is kind of unfortunate to me because I, I I liked watching him play. He's one of the leading servers in Brazil, but uh, this kind of new generation of Brazilian players. Uh, but man, <laughs> and also Darlin Souza, Alan Souza's little brother, one of the leading scorers in Brazil, also didn't make the roster. There's there's a lot of good Brazilian players that that aren't here, which is and there, what I was saying. There always the are, of course, there always are. But they, they have a, a very interesting task ahead of them to manage this 
transition from generation to generation for Brazil. It'll be very interesting to see how so, their their entire organization handles that. And but if they want if they want Olympic gold again with this team, it has to be this year. There's no way that 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 this same core is going to be able to do it in 2024. No, because you still need yeah Wallace, Bruno, Lucas. All three of those guys are some of your best players, and even Leal is not super yeah. young anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. So, Rob, what would be your your top Brazilian lineup? Best players available this year. Okay, Bruno, Wallace, Lucarelli, Leal, uh, Maike, Libero, and just whichever two middles you feel like at the time. <laughs> um, it's got to be it's got to be Lucas um, for the Olympics. I know he's not on VNL, um, so. I actually really like Isaac Santos. I think he's really good. Um, I think Flavio is really good. And Mauricio Souza is just a guy that kind of came out of nowhere a few years ago. He looked like he was already a much older player when he first started getting looks at the national team, but is legitimately one of the best fundamental blockers on the planet. So he's a good choice as well. But really, pick you you pick your middles. But uh, those those other guys, I think, are the pretty clear starters, in my opinion. I would go Lucas and yeah, I would for sure pick Isaac Santos. I think he's fantastic. I'm a huge fan of him. But at the outside hitter, I would almost think about going like a Borges Lucarelli combo. Get really get that all around game. There's no weaknesses in that reception. You have the you know you'll have probably the best receiving lineup out of any one of the Olympics. Great point. And, and Leal's great, but you already have your two of the best attacking middles in volleyball plus Bruno, who you know is gonna like enhance the rest of your team. I don't know if you need Maybe for the serving, Leal. So I could see that for sure. But I think there's there's a there's discussion there. But anyway, <laughs> Brazil's stacked. Yeah, Brazil's stacked. It's weird because we're almost like not talking about them as much in the past few years as being contenders. Uh, but that would be stupid of us to, to not okay. learn from history and just know that they are always, 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 always contenders to win a given tournament. Always. Oh, oh I know. The 2018 World Championships, like... Man, Brazil, they're like an old, they're washed up. Oh, bad, bad, Boom. bad call, bad call. <laughs> but Rob, the number one team, and I think a team that has done, like, it's un- unreal how much depth, talent they have, the job they've done with the national team. And that's, for me, on the men's side is Russia, who just literally brings out an unlimited amount of, like, six foot ten players who are, like, skilled, like, some of the most skilled passers and, and ball control guys in the world but they're also super athletic they're also super tall for me it's it's it's, it's crazy it's crazy what what rush has been able to do there has to be some kind of like secret factory that they have to produce these human beings you're right it's absolutely absurd first of all there have only been two vnls played in existence and russia has won both of them so uh, with two different is, lineups by the way yes Please. absolutely <laughs> right absolutely so th- there were some questions about who we were going to see in this VNL roster for Russia. Um, Dmitry Mazursky was a question mark. Um, what position is he going to play is a pretty good question because he played opposite in Japan this year. Um, he's not as young as he once was. He's not as laterally quick as he once was. So it's interesting because the FIVB roster has him listed as a middle. But I thought that Russia's press release was that he was listed as an opposite. I think he'll get playing time at both for me. Yeah, I think so too. I think he for sure could see an opposite. I mean, Viktor Politaev, is obvious and Maxi Mikhailov. I mean, you have two of the best. Those are two of the best opposites in the world. But both of them probably could use a little bit of rest. So I wouldn't be surprised. 
Yeah, they have just an embarrassment of riches at every position, like opposite, especially like if Dmitry Mazursky, like, I think we don't talk about enough what he did in the Olympics in 2016, or in 2012, excuse me, Um, that unbelievable, like all time position switch and playing opposite to win Olympic gold was, is just absurd. And I know that was nine years ago, but like Maxim Mikhailov is might still be the most underrated player in volleyball. I think I made that that I had that take on the European volleyball show one time, and I I still stand by that. He's such an absolute superstar, and we just don't talk about enough how good he is. And then you have Polotayev, who's a completely different style of opposite, but just as good. And I I don't understand how you can choose like one of those three like top five players to to play in a given moment outside too. Clearly, Kliuka and Volkov will be the starters there, but they've got some other really good options, like the depth in Russia and how good the Russian domestic league was this year makes this this point exactly. They have just an unlimited amount of incredible players, including Dan, your boy, Pavel Pankov. Oh, okay. I was wondering Thank because of Pavel. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank right, goodness so he's on this roster. Quick, quick, Pavel Pankov. For, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, watch my YouTube videos, you probably already know this, but Rob, for me, Pavel Pankov is like, he's like in that Tony Udi, Gianelli, like Maruf Pankov. That's like after Dicheco and Bruno and Christian, like he's in that second, just about as good. T- like he's one of the top setters in the world after watching him play um, like probably 20 or so matches I watched quite in depth of him last season. For me, he's he's well above anyone else not on, on those setters I just mentioned. He is unbelievable the way, the precision he has, the contact point he has, the decision-making he has, the way he runs that offense. People And serving and blocking. Yeah, people... I mean, he might be the most athletic setter in the world, just about there with Michael Christensen. He's, he's right at that level, like maybe even more so athletic, just a, a raw athletic. He's like Dmitry Kovalev, who's also one of my favorite setters. If Dmitry <laughs> but Kovalev, a better setter could actually if set Dmitry the ball. Kovalev yeah. could set a marble through like a, like, like a, you know, like a, through a elastic band, right? Like he's, he's crazy, the amount of precision he has. And I think he's, people are going to learn, if he, if he plays the way he did in Russia on Dynamo Moscow, he's going to, He's going to be like one of those players that the FIVB is like, wow, everyone like promoting, like he's going to be the guy who's taking it to the next level. And I think people are going to realize it. So just a warning for everyone who hasn't been watching Russian volleyball. Yes. He's, he's the next up. He's next up for sure. Yes. I, I, I'm so on board with this take. Uh, I encourage everybody to jump on the Pavel Penkov train early because Dan's absolutely right. You might like people might not know about him yet and people might be like, reeling from our take that he is one of the best setters in the world because there is just a, a so a, such a small sample size we haven't seen that much of him and we have not seen him at all on the national team yet but dan is right and you watched him even more than i did in russia but i could see from four or five matches just based on the eye test that the kid is really really special he's really good i think he is clearly the best setter in russia like the clearly the best russian setter um and Igor Kobjar, the only other setter on the VNL roster, I think Pankov is clearly better than Kobjar. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, we'll see what they do for Tokyo if, if Butko comes back into the mix, if Grandpa Grandkin comes back into the mix. But uh, if if I'm Samuelvo, I am just like jumping for joy at how good this Pankov kid has been this year domestically. He was absolutely unbelievable. Um, he was like your Russian MVP in your video about it and well-deserved. Uh, he is 
the piece definitely the future at the setting position for them and the piece that i think will keep russia at the top of the world of volleyball right now he is just such he's he's an upgrade at that position for what they had and they were already winning vnl the last two years so for, for me if you're samuelville you're crying yourself to sleep every night that you can start pankov you have the the choice to start pankov over butko in kovzar because for me <laughs> for me it was like it was kind of like poland where you had good setters but there's no one when you're competing at this level you didn't have the guy who could who could really uh, take the offense to another level and now you do with pankov and look he dragged paul Dushnek and anton semishev to the VNL roster, both those guys, I'm I'm not confident they would have made the team if if if, uh, if, if Pankov hadn't been setting if them Pankov this, this hadn't year. Been them. And yeah, like you said, the depth at outside hitter Dennis Bogdan too. Like yeah, the fact the fact that Igor Kluka left Fake on Novi and going, and then Dennis Bogdan came in, he's like, yeah, oh, okay, I'm gonna be one of the best outside hitters in Russia now. That I was just hanging out on the bench behind Volkov Kluka. Right. Remember, Eric Shoji told us that. He told us that in the European volleyball yeah, show. He's yeah, like, true. yeah, Dennis, but this, this Dennis Bogdan kid that he played with in Faco for the last two sick. years is like, yeah, this kid's, this kid's sick. He's no joke. And can we talk about middles for a second? Sure. Yeah. Kirkayev, 7 whatever. Mazursky, 7 2. Uh, Volvich, 7 whatever. Uh, Vlasov, whatever. Um, but unfortunately, Dan, no Ivan Yakovlev on this VNL roster. That's a I know. bummer. One of the I players love I'm... him. I love him. At least he got a bit of shine in 2019 Nations League, so he had that opportunity. But yeah, Yakovlev took it to another level, guys. Like he's for me, he's a top ten for sure middle blocker in the world. Agreed. Maybe, and I've told you this raw before, but uh, um, Mark Lebedu came on to to a podcast or something I was doing. He said Yakovlev, I would take him above Mazursky as the best Russian middle blocker, which uh, you know I I thought at the time was crazy, but. There is some substance to that. There's a little, that's that's the level we're talking about, the Yakovlev. So hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully this injury doesn't take away any of that like incredibly explosive lateral quickness because that's what made him so special is the springiness, the lateral quickness. And before we end with Russia, Rob, I guess the only weakness for them, and good thing they have a weakness or else this would be game over. Is Libero <laughs> right now? Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm actually very high on Valentin Golubev. Uh, I think he's I think he's pretty good. Uh, that VNL final in 2019 that you and I were at, Dan, that the Russia Russia just mopped the floor with the USA. Uh, Golubev was the, was the reason for that, in my opinion. Uh, when when America when the US had gotten their backs to the wall and with with everything Russia was doing in that match. They were just absolutely unleashing from the service line to try and get back in that match. As and the USA Golub- team, yes, <laughs> tends to do. <laughs> yes, as as we as we so often do. But Golubev was just nails. He was so good. He swallowed up some of the best servers in the world and spit them back out right on top of the setter's head. I think that he was a, a huge factor in why Russia was able to win that match and why the why the U.S. was completely unable to push back against them was because he was so good in service. Um, he's not the best defensive libero in the world, uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they're just going to block every ball that comes across the net anyway. So they, they just need a guy to take up a good amount of space and serve receive and absorb some absolute bullets so that Kliuka and Volkov can get just just a little bit more comfortable back there with, with their passing responsibilities. Uh, it's definitely Russia's weakest position, but that's relative to how ridiculous they are across the board in the rest of the areas. So um, I like Goliabev. I think he's clearly the libero for Tokyo. Um, 
Evgeny Baranov is the other libero who I don't really think I even know who that is. So he's the other one on the VNL roster. Yeah, and like you said, I like Golubev a lot. I picked him as my MVP of the Russian League this season, and he's certainly a very strong libero. I guess just not. Maybe if you if you look at maybe the liberos for Brazil and for USA and for Poland, he's not on the Zatorsky Shoji kind of, kind of or or Grabenikov level. But he's, no, he's, definitely not. I, I don't think he's in the top five, but he's probably in the top ten in the world, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. but I think we can count ourselves lucky, Rob. That uh, that we haven't seen the young Ilya Fedorov, who's Zenit Kazan's young libero. You've told me about this kid. Yeah, who is definitely one of the top liberos <laughs> in the world coming up. So good thing he's you know libero takes a little longer for most players to develop, um, and that Alexei Verbov is too old. So we have this this nice <laughs> <laughs> this nice window where where Russia doesn't have like one of the best liberos in the world. And you're but, right. It's a good thing because otherwise it would just not even be a fair fight. Yeah. But I love that, I mean, at the top of these lists. It's VNL. Maybe we won't see the best teams here, but for the Olympics, Russia, USA, Poland, Brazil, man. Ooh, it's going to be a bloodbath. Oh, my goodness. I'm very excited. Uh, how about the pool of death in Tokyo? Russia, Brazil, the U.S., Argentina, and France are all in the yeah. same pool. Thank goodness Canada's not in that one. Oh yeah, you gosh. lucky. Uh, <laughs> so mad about that draw. It's just the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough. But, we, Rob, we, we, we will have, don't worry, we'll sit down. We'll sit down here for like two hours and talk about Olympics when that comes. But for yes. now, VNL starts this Friday. Can't wait. So before we before we uh, wrap up here, Dan, uh, let's let's look at the first couple, maybe the first weekend of the VNL yeah, yeah. schedule, and just see uh, the the level of spiciness in certain matchups, if you will. First of all, uh, where to watch VNL this year? They it's what volleyballworld.tv or something like that. Um, check check based on your country where you can watch the matches, but. Uh, I was able to get access to it in, in the U.S. for like 15 bucks, maybe. It wasn't a bad deal for every VNL match. So um, make, make sure great, you know where you can for, watch. For me, it's a, it's a no-brainer for 20 bucks. Oh, yeah, for to, sure. To watch all for the matches. Sure. Easy. Good, good price by, by FMB for sure. Yeah, agreed. I'm so, oh God, I'm so happy I don't have to pay for Flow Volleyball to watch in the U.S. anymore. What a joke that was. Yeah. So the, the matchup that I'm most excited for the very first day of the tournament is usa canada dan Woo! we have we have the european volleyball show at 10 a.m my time on friday and then usa canada is 11 a.m my time yeah. so uh, that's like central time for, all, for everyone so listening to tune into european volleyball on youtube at at 5 p.m european time 11 a.m uh, east coast time and then we'll all watch right after the match USA versus Canada Yeah, together. we have we have pledged to keep the show to keep the European volleyball show under an hour so that we can all tune into USA Canada. Uh, there's going to be so much trash talking in the Discord. I'm so excited about that. Um, and also that day Brazil Argentina a, a always heated rivalry there in South America, but Argentina a storyline here in the last couple of days um, hit hit very hard by the coronavirus. I think they sent only nine guys to VNL here for the first couple weekends. So uh, they will, they're just barely putting together a team in the early, the first couple weekends of this competition. Yeah. And I mean, I feel bad for them, but at the same time, 
Argentina is a pretty deep team. I feel like any position they go a few players deep, and also their Canada's bitter rival. So any any opportunity, <laughs> any opportunity Canada has to to beat uh, Argentina, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of down for. I'm glad you mentioned that, Dan, because the matchup on the second day, this is next Saturday, May 29th, is Argentina Canada. You've Revenge got that to look game. forward to. You've got USA Brazil, which is going to be unbelievable. You've got Iran and Russia, and then you've got uh, Poland and Serbia, which is going to be really spicy because Serbia, not going to the Olympics, has nothing to play for except to win VNL, and they uh, they have done European, that before. European Championships, Euro Volley, that, that too. Come on, that that too. But like for I was just in Serbia. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were just there. <laughs> But like but yeah. the same thing in 2016, the, the, the World League that year, uh, Serbia went out and won the World League because they weren't going to the Olympics. So I wouldn't really be that surprised to see that again. And then let's see, next Sunday, Canada, Brazil will be awesome. Poland, Slovenia, I think it'll be really fun to watch that day. Um, oh. Netherlands and Iran will Revenge be Revenge game from Poland, yeah. Yes, <laughs> that, that's very, very big. That's gonna, the Polish Some fans great are going to go nuts for that here. one. Now that you're talking about the matches, man, there's going to be a lot. As much as we kind of... The VLA or sorry, the VNL formats um, doesn't work in a lot of ways. It does can produce some very interesting uh, matches. Yeah, and and the the FIVB is not very good at highlighting those, so that's what we're here for. We'll see. Uh, you know, I'm, we'll we'll uh, we'll give them some credit this year. They have had two years to think about it. I actually do think I'm very looking forward to the production. Because I do think they'll try out a, new, a few new things, especially if they stream at 720, 60 frames per second. I, I think that's a possibility. That so, would be we'll fantastic. We'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I do. I Russia, do think they have Japan. a good team there. Oh, yeah, Russia, Japan, Russia, Japan on next Sunday. Uh, just uh, will be an absolute beatdown. <laughs> like they had the the average size difference between those two teams is an absolute joke. So I'm I'm actually kind of excited to watch that massacre. I think that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, but also it's it's a funny juxtaposition to watch, like just like the small like. But Japan can also hold their own a little bit. Like the, the, their their back row defense is kind of hilarious. Like the fact that they're barely putting up a block, but they're still probably getting a few like counter attacks and uh, like <laughs> you know. It's good true. That, that's that's what they're really 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 good at. Yeah, they can definitely hang. But the the fact that every single Russian hitter at every position is going straight over the top of every one of their blockers is uh, going to be pretty fun and, to watch. And Rob, there was some very sad news uh, online with no Masahiro Yanagida on the VNL. Yeah, I noticed that. That that was Which to a, little me is bit a little surprising. surprising. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would probably start Takahashi, the, the new guy above him, but, you know, as a fourth outside hitter. Yeah, I'd come probably... on. Like, you've, you've got to at least bring him, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Strange. Well, fans of every country and of every like possible flavor of volleyball are going to have so much to watch here in this VNL. I'm I'm so stoked. I I for for weeks already I've had all of the US's matches in my phone calendar, <laughs> like with with alerts to tell me exactly when I need to watch. Yeah. So I'm ready. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for it too. Hope you guys are as well. And Rob, thank you so much for joining me on the the podcast today. I think. I think we like went out over every single like storyline with this top four teams. I'm very excited because there are like there's always going to be some random team that performs. Remember Iran last year? You know we had Canada in 2017. There's always some team that like performs way above their level, and there's always going to be interesting storylines developing. So 
I, I'm, I'm, I am very excited for international volleyball to be back. Yes. Thank goodness. International volleyball is back. Uh, thanks Dan for having me. I'm really excited to just have so much to watch every weekend for the next like month, month and a half in VNL. It's going to be awesome. Uh, lot to, lot to cover a lot of fun stuff going on and, yeah. uh, go USA. So guys remember five on volleyball will be doing, I'll be doing recap podcasts periodically throughout the tournament. Remember to check out Rob VLA on YouTube, the deep corner and also around the VLA is the last show. And also, both of us together, if you like us talking to each other, the European Volleyball Show on European Volleyball on YouTube, we get together almost every Friday to talk about the biggest stories in European volleyball. So lots of, I feel like Rob, we both have, we're both like talking into the microphone about volleyball. So there's not, there's a lot of opportunities to, uh, to catch us. Yeah, if you're not sick of either of our voices, there's like many, many, many places on the internet where you can hear us talk about volleyball. Anyway, everyone, thank you for listening today and we'll uh, catch you after the VLA started. Thanks.